What is up, Ram fam? Heartbreak and Logan. Heartbreak and Logan, one of the most gut-wrenching losses in recent memory, this CSU-Utah State series. It's always interesting. I mean, I never thought that I'd be able to top a Hail Mary, a race on the final play to to come back. I, I never imagined we'd have a loss more painful, I guess I should say, than uh, the 18 Utah State game where they had a Hail Mary erased for illegal touching. They did it. By God, they did it. Super weird night. Uh, we're going to be all over the place. We'll break it all down. It was basically death by a million cuts. Just too many special teams errors altogether. Too many penalties. Turnovers and untimely moments. Just brutal altogether. You got to respect the fight. And we'll kind of get into some of that. Like at least they didn't roll down. Which they very easily could have. But you know I mean. Giving effort in a D1 game is kind of the the bar minimum so not not gonna focus too much on that but there was a lot that csu did well in that and i just in this game and i kind of want that point to come through as as heartbreaking as this is and trust me we're gonna lean into it but we will talk about all the good as well let's before i get dre's opening thoughts on this game let's just let's set the scene because it's a wild game you're down nine you come all the way back you have an opportunity to kick the game winning field goal after not being able to pass the ball all night they go right down the field, get a very makeable field goal for Caden Camper, and they just completely botch the execution. Um, let's play the clip here, and then I'll talk about what they said post game. They had an opportunity, and man, just so frustrating. Can we get the audio on this? Look at the because clock it- because they get the first down, and the clock's not running. Finally, the ref starts running it here. They could have taken a beat there, though, Justin, and just like, okay, the shit show of getting everyone off is over. Let's take a second before we snap the ball. We can get this. Um, did you think that was in from the live view, or is that just my poor eyes at? No, he, he it pulls left at the very yeah, end. No. Um, I mean, he shanks it clearly, but when I first see it, I almost thought that still hooked in, um, and they pulled it. But like, a numbing feeling it all just goes down so quickly and so horribly um this is like just the numbing. if if it was a basketball game it'd be like being down one with less than three seconds to go you was you're like in the bonus you can't foul really and you get a steal on the inbound pass and you have an opportunity to make a layup to win the game and you just throw it off the rim because you're just, you know, you just get too into the moment. They just, they rushed it. And it's, it's understandable how it could happen because it's, you know, that weird moment where it's like, okay, Mm -hmm. if we get the first down, the clock's going to stop and then we don't have to run on. But if they get tackled short of the line, they obviously are trying to sprint everyone else out on there. They did get the first down. They didn't need to rush. The offense lines up because they're going to spike it. You know, they're just going to clock the ball. Yep let them come out leisurely, but you know, the, the field goal unit, they run out onto the field, they rush it. It's chaos. You have players running on and off the field. Uh, Dazio talked about it post game said, you know, they kind of went through the scenario with the players before. Obviously there was some confusion on what was supposed to happen. I think the frustrating part is even in the confusion, they still got the kickoff and they had a couple more seconds. So like they, yep. they rushed it even more than they had to, but 
I mean, it's not shocking, especially in that moment. It's just chaos. Like, all right, let's just make sure we get this off. You don't want the clock to run out. That would have been equally as heartbreaking, maybe even more heartbreaking. I don't know, but for sure, brutal. No, for I mean, sure. just a brutal way to go down. And even if it works out as you want to, you spike the ball, you probably kick one and get iced, and then you have to kick another one to make it. Um, so, so we were in store for at least a couple more plays there. Um, and man, it just sucks because I tell you watching how that defense played and especially that defensive line was a joy, Justin. Um, I mean, they had eight sacks in this seven different individuals recorded at least a half sack in this one, 11 tackles for loss. They hold them to less than three yards per carry. That's everything that you want. And I mean, I wrote in my post-game performance, aside from the offsides penalties, which were freaking maddening, especially late in the in the fourth quarter, there I understood a little bit more because you're really just blitzing and trying to get after and, and make a play. But, I mean, Toby McBride said at post-game, I think every single member of the defensive line had an offsides penalty at one point tonight. It just allowed Utah State to sustain drives and just kind of keep it going and you know, maybe get a field goal. Or obviously in the second quarter, they were able to convert with like a 39 yard touchdown pass to right on a free play. And it's just the little things, you know, they just, they just add it up and yeah, I'll get into it more later at the end, but I think that's probably what's going to be the most frustrating aspect of this loss for me is I think CSU was the better team for the most part. Most of what went wrong was self-inflicted. They still had an opportunity to win it even in spite everything that went wrong. Mm Mm-hmm death by a million cuts that's just it's the worst way to go down i think i'd almost rather get blown out oh i disagree with that i think it's really a, a phenomenal game i think with all the criticism you can build that- off it i guess i should clarify as a fan from a team perspective obviously there are plenty of positives you can build off and we'll get on into all that but you can build like off it raw emotion in a major way um and I mean, shoot, who you tell on the road, a team that's built the way this Rams team is down six, down nine, most of the final um, two quarters and still staying in it should have won, should have covered because they ended both halves horribly. And I mean, on, like, let's be on some flukes, though, on some flukes, like it's not all just the coaching being idiots. It, it's some. Some fluky stuff. The penalties you can't have. You have to capitalize more on some of the big plays. I mean, like Trey Trey McBride being wide open and not getting hit. Um, you know, just yeah, he had an early crossing route where it should have been like a gain of forty. He might have even been able to run up the sidelines and like scoot into the right. end zone, depending right. on how they played it. I swear they had that INT. We just didn't get to see the, the replay. His but foot was down. They moved total. too fast, and Utah State plays with tempo and. That's brutal, but I'm I'm almost positive that Ajayi had that interception. I, I am too. Um, in fact, I have the replay. I should check that out. Um, but, you know, so it, it really felt like, oh, man, on the road, really tough environment. This is a well-coached team, but they should have won. They were the better team. They were the team that fought through more adversity. They beat Bonner up. Uh, credit to that kid who was a warrior. In fact, it was crazy. Once they... Once they essentially knocked him out the game, he was forced to keep having a play because then they gave it right back to him on special teams. So like Bonner would have gladly taken a break, but the Rams just kept them out there. Um, 
it was honestly a, a great gutty performance. But what sucks is you look at the standings, they're flipped. That's where this loss just murders you because you are sitting so pretty at the top of the division after this massive win. Um, and, and you just don't have it. You just don't have it on some absolute BS at the end of both halves. I think even with the progress we've seen out of CSU this year, and it's been substantial for them, you know, in a lot of different areas. Yes, yes. I don't think most people legitimately expected CSU, even with the progress we saw to come out of the Mountain Division when it was all said and done, just given that, mm-hmm. you know, they still got to play Boise State, still got to play Wyoming, Air Force, Nevada, all these good right. teams. You had a shot, though. I mean, you're undefeated yep. in conference play, and you have a chance to win this to go 3-0, and two of which, you know, came on the road. It was just such a big blown opportunity and beyond conference championship implications, which would obviously be a lot of fun to see CSU be in that race. And they're still in the thick of it. I mean, you know, you're going to have to win. You're going to have to steal some games now if you want to still be in that conversation. But your margin for error, it's just so thin now. Mm -hmm. And what's really unfortunate is you have two losses in Vanderbilt. And and now this Utah State game that are very similarly like you played better than them for the majority of the game and a couple of key moments really cost you. I mean, we're looking at the difference between being you know five and or yeah five and three five and right two. now or five and two excuse me yeah, yeah. math's yeah. hard. That's why I majored in liberal arts stuff. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a brutal way to go down. And I think what's really frustrating is that it's at this point of the season you're still losing the way that you lost week two to an inferior opponent. Obviously different circumstances. You're on the road. You're playing a much better team. I think you have to feel much better about yourself after this game, the way you played than you know, the way you did against Vanderbilt where you literally just handed the game away to them. Yeah. But to lose two games in such similar fashion, it's, it's disheartening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then the other thing is the penalties. I mean, if you are going to crush the coaching staff, you have to, have to, have to get go hard on those penalties. Um, Just too that, undisciplined. That's an excuse. Yeah, and getting, I mean, while the coaching staff, to their credit, I thought, you know, stayed true, believed in the defense, didn't go for it and fourth down a few times late in the third when I would have probably gone for it. Me too. Uh, they trusted the defense, and it worked out for them. They did. It was the right call in the end. Guys got kind of antsy, you know, and that's where you see some of those those just undisciplined penalties, which you get. Logan's too tough of spot to win in, man. Um, like, and they you, knew it. I mean, they Adazio all week going into this game, he talked about it's going to be the little things in this because we match up yeah. really well. Both of these defenses are stout. What sucks is he said it's going to come down to special teams, and that's exactly what it did. It it makes it even more painful is like well you knew it was coming and it, it still ended up costing you in the end not mm-hmm. maybe the way you were anticipating you know savon scarver one of the best kickoff returners of all time currently tied for the all ncaa lead with seven career kickoff returns for a touchdown they kicked away from him all night tompkins ended up breaking a kickoff against him yeah. they kicked out of bounds another time like it's again it's it's just so frustrating because they knew exactly what they needed to do in this and they basically did it it's just a few key moments that you know made the difference and that's that's the difference between winning football teams and kind of middle of the pack football teams as they find a way to not you know 
die by a million cuts to not have those little things come back and compound and and add up and again the fight csu showed was admirable i'd written them off completely at the beginning of the fourth quarter i already had 500 words written on my recap i had to tweak it a little bit because of the comeback effort but man i'm 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 right trying there. not Should've to dwell won. too much because it's so frustrating the way that this ended. It's one of the most frustrating CSU losses, certainly of the last decade, but probably of my lifetime, just because they're the better team. They were the better yeah. team and they just it slipped through their hands. Yeah, and just kind of panic, it seemed like just kind of caused by the players, right? Like just running out and not being not having their wits about it because they really had it. They really had it. I want to ask you this, though, because we talked a lot about the penalties. I felt like, and again, you can be like, no, you're just being a homer. No. I yes. felt like a lot of those pass interference calls were pretty suspect. One of them was pretty, yeah. he, Cameron got pretty handsy, and it was fine. They got flagged like five times for PI, and three or four of them were just like, man, that was that was close. And then they yeah. didn't call an obvious yeah. push off on Utah mm-hmm. state's touchdown. And it's just like, if, if, if it's going to go against you in every little way, it just, it felt like anything that could have went against CSU tonight did, whether it was the officiating totally. again, officiating is not the reason that they lost, but every 50, 50 call went the other way. Every yeah. ball, it bounced the other way. Like it was just one of those nights. Yeah. And then you started to get a few, iffy roughing the passer calls too. It was, uh, but again, I mean, <laughs> You're not allowed credit, to tackle the quarterback anymore, apparently, Andre. Credit to them. They overcame it. They fought. They fought. They fought. It was far from a flawless or perfect game, but they were there. They just, Every inch, they should have won. They absolutely should have won this one. But you're right, though. This should be a 5-2 and two team. It's crazy, but they really should be a 5-2 and two team. And uh, all those people that were calling me insane... You know, after the Vanderbilt game, how could you say that this was a team that could win seven games when you see what they can do on the field? It's clear they should be a seven win team. Mm -hmm. They should be an eight, nine win team with Trey McBride, with Scott Patchen, with Manny Jones, Ryan Stonehouse. I mean, you got one of the best kickers in the country. I know he didn't do it in the the big moment, but it was chaos. I'm not going to hold that against Caden Camper. The whole thing was rushed. They have talent. They just. Key moments, man, the Iowa loss, you had a moment to Take a 21-7 lead. You couldn't do it. Vanderbilt, you had a chance to go up like 28-0 in that second quarter. You couldn't do it. No. It's what comes back to bite you. I mean, we see it all the time in college football. Yeah. No, it's true. I mean, they're they're a good team. There's a lot of guys you love to root for. And I, I think Santeo's made some incredible strides as well. Um he deserves he, pro he, he deserves as much as the passing offense was a struggle in this one. And sure. It was frustrating. It wasn't. He had an interception where it kind of looked like Cameron Butler stopped running the route. He missed him by a mile, but when I went back and watched it out after it was pointed out to me, it does look like the receiver stopped running. Maybe a miscommunication there. This kid's gritty. He is. After everything they went through in the first two weeks to be able to go out on and beat Toledo and then battle the way they did against Iowa, then respond, you know, with two of his best performances ever. He doesn't get shook, which I love mm-hmm. in a quarterback. And in the fourth quarter, he was clutch, man. Those last two drives, one to get him in field goal position, and mm-hmm. then the second one to do it again, like, and then the touchdown drive, that's all you could ask for. It's just like, man, could we see a little bit more of that? And I maybe that's on the coaching staff. As much as I, they were running the ball, and I'm glad they didn't completely yeah. abandon it, yeah. like, 
you know, if Shermer was calling this game, David Bailey wouldn't have got another touch mm-hmm. in the second half, and that would have mm-hmm. been the wrong move. We saw it in the South Dakota State game a little bit too. Maybe you got to spread things out and try and air the ball just a little bit more. I know it's not the identity of your offense. Santeo seems to be most effective when you let him go out of the gun, though, and have like four options and just he can run around. He's effective yeah, on the QB keepers right. in those situations. Mm-hmm. I just think it opens everything up. He feels pressure well, too. I mean, <clears throat> I think he the O-Lens up. made he some... usually doesn't like drift backwards too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the O-Lens made some real strides in run blocking, but they'll still let guys slip through. Um, and Santeo's good about avoiding pressure. And he, he's also good about sometimes knowing like, hey, I got to take a sack here and it's okay. We can survive we another punt day. in here. Yep, exactly. He hasn't. And that's the thing about the interception. He maybe forced it a little bit. It was third down. It was fine. And again, I think the receiver stopped running. He hasn't been making the plays that cost this team. And for the most part, I mean, he's missed some shot plays. Today, though, the missed shot that they had, other than where he had an opportunity to hit McBride early. I mean, EJ Scott in the third quarter drops what should have been a walk-in yeah, touchdown. Yeah. The ball's right over his shoulder. He, he almost overruns it just a smidge. Yeah, it was weird. It was like overruns it. Then he missed tries like to read it in the air it. or yeah. something. I don't. It was yeah. it was super weird. Yeah. At the very minimum, you got to catch it and bring it down. Now we got the Mountain West uh, Mountain standings up here after this game, um, and we can talk about it again more at the end. But Utah State sitting at the top, three and zero in the division, tied, or uh, excuse me, sorry, two and two. Three. Three, it, oh, oh my, I can't. Three and one in the in the conference with wins over Air Force and Colorado State. So the other two one-loss teams in the division. Um, That's huge. And their one loss coming to Boise, who's uh sitting at one and two. Now we become pretty big San Diego State or yeah, San Diego State fans on Saturday because that would at least help. And um, I mean, Utah State seemed very beatable to me. Utah State seemed very beatable to me. So I think I think this is really wide open. Um, and I mean, yeah, man. I'd say it's probably Air Force's division at the moment. Like they're probably sure. in the driver's yeah. seat just because they already yeah. got that road win over Boise. CSU Air Force, though, shaping up for a big game. I mean, really, the next couple of games are, are massive. And, and that's what mm-hmm. we'll kind of end the podcast week with real quick though i want to get into the turning point and we've already kind of talked about it um it was that pooch kick late in the second quarter after after they got up six you're sitting there thinking all right you know the rams should have an opportunity here to kind of drive down the field they kick this weird pooch kick yeah excuse me sorry yeah yeah it bounces and in Taiwan Francis, he kind of hesitated a little bit. Now, again, yep. it's a weird, fluky play. And they recover it, and they just they go up nine there. And, and again, like there's a bunch of little things you can kind of point out. Obviously, if you Thomas yep. doesn't fumble, if you score earlier, mm-hmm. if you make another field goal, mm-hmm. like there were a lot of different things. But to me, it just that was kind of the difference in the game. Huge. That nine point lead was what just made it just insurmountable enough. And, and kudos to the defense for not you know, allowing Utah state to extend it and forcing them to kick field goals. But you just, if you go down, if you're only down one possession in the second half, how different is it? Especially if you're able to have the same type of run. 
Well, that's yeah. No, they go up six with that, which was crazy. And again, Bonner's on his last leg. So, I mean, they if they're not in field goal position, they really aren't going to get points there. Um, but it just happens that the the little pooch kick bounces perfectly for them and special teams just not on it enough. Um, and then the so the end of the first half disastrous. You give up three points. That might be a six point swing because the way the Rams had just scored on consecutive possessions, back to back touchdowns. Um, you really thought they were going to get points and tie this thing up at 17. We're going to go in at the half. Then they start Utah State starts the second half getting the ball and they get another three out of that. And that put them up nine the entire second half. That was also key. So really like end of the first start of the second end of the second. It's like, yeah, those three possessions and they were kind of talking about it on the broadcast. You know, it was, yeah. they got three possessions for CSU's one. And, you know, the final two minutes of the first half opening minutes of the second half. And it was just, you know, CSU, they fought back, but it was too little too late after kind of digging yourself just just deep enough of a hole. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as as frustrating as this game is, and it's frustrating, (laughs) there were some players that really stood out in this one, and I'm going to get into them in a sec, but. Real quick, before I go any longer, I got to shout out the homies over at Chevalier Mortgage. Something to keep in mind for our homeowners. With prices going up, it's creating natural equity in your home. If you have mortgage insurance, chances are you can refinance out of that. Make the bubble work for you. Here in the buyer's market, it's stressful trying to buy a house in Colorado right now. About as stressful as watching CSU special teams. Let Mike and Virginia Chevalier take the burden off this extremely difficult process for you. They're going to alleviate so much stress. Take some of that worry off your plate. It's going to be like watching David Bailey in the backfield. They have a fun perk for DNVR listeners. If you visit them at dnvrmortgage.com, enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat. You're also going to get set up with a free consultation. That's dnvrmortgage.com. You can also call Mike directly at 970-412-2472. Or again, visit dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number one nine one. 0631. And I really do want to emphasize how much we love the Chevaliers. One of our longest partners, they've been the Rams pod presenting sponsor now for well over a year now. They helped us put on the Trey McBride event. They rule. And I can just, I can never hype them up enough. The DraftKings king of the game, I think it's got to be Cameron Carter. And there were a lot of defensive standouts in this one. Cameron was awesome. 14 total tackles, <clears throat> one tackle for loss, one sack. Also had a massive interception early in, in the first half. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. This was after CSU had turned the ball over. Utah State was driving. This was a big momentum play. CSU didn't do anything with it offensively, but they were able to flip the field after that. Ryan Stonehouse, he punts the ball. So instead of Utah State having the ball in the red zone, it's a turnover. They flip the field, pin them back the other way. Just a massive timely play. I mean, it, it kept CSU in the game when it was looking like it could be ugly early. We got the video here. He just, this is just knowing film. You can see it. He reads it right off the bat. He's like, they're going to the corner. He drops back. The safety's closing in. If Cameron doesn't get there, I don't know if the safety's going to be able to close in time to, to make a play on the ball. Big time stuff. I mean, him and Daquan Jackson. Daquan Jackson had 15 yeah. tackles, so he could have been the king of the game as well. You could really go co-kings of the game. 
this dude's a stud, man. And these uh, these CSU linebackers are start. They're gonna start getting some attention, I think, w- with the just NFL draft process because they've been making plays all season long in the run game. They're really sound. They're great athletes. And this was just a, a, a great game from Cameron Carter. Yeah, for sure. I mean, one of many defensive standouts. Just an incredible game from the front seven. Um, and I, I thought they their their tackling in space was just otherworldly. And it has been all year. Like that's why yeah. they're so good against the run. Obviously, top ten defense. The defensive the line, they're sexy, and that's what's going to get all the attention. You know, they're killing the quarterback. They do the dirty work against the run as well. These linebackers, in terms of reading the field, not over pursuing, just making sound open no. field tackles, they have been money. And it it gives me at least hope going into that Air Force game. This could be a matchup where CSU actually lines up pretty well. As long as you don't get burned over the top, commit a bunch of dumb penalties, you know, you should be able to mm-hmm. stop the run. Hopefully, I mean, you've been a sound defense all year. Yeah, they can be a little light um, in the middle. So between the tackles, sometimes they'll let them they'll let a run slip through once in a while. I mean. Utah State, they had them pinned in their own half often, and they often made it to at least their own 40, you know? Um, yeah, it's kind of a bend-don't-break type approach tonight. But, he, like, the fact that Air Force isn't going to be able to challenge them over the top, as some of these other teams have, is really going to give CSU's defense a massive advantage. And I think, like, you know, giddy up for Wy- the Wyoming game. Because <laughs> those guys be a, won't know a what really hit them. Physical like, game between two teams that hate each other. This front is amazing, though, Justin. This it's has the best been... front seven that CSU has had in my lifetime. I mean, At it's... least where I've been old enough to appreciate it. I mean, some of those late defenses, the late '90s, early 2000s, were really good. It's Statistically, though, best. this one's is on par with the 2000 defense. Yeah, it's one of the best fronts you'll see in college football right now. I mean, plain and pe- plain and simple point blank outside of like georgia it's not you're not gonna see defenses dominate in the trenches play in play out the way these guys do it's uh it's a joy to watch man i they they really had me uh glued to my seat the entire game what are your thoughts on chuck heater's aggressive approach because obviously csu especially in that second half and this is what they basically always do they go man and they blitz the hell out of you they're gonna dare you to go over the top now obviously a couple of times it backfired on him, but really, I mean, I think it was the right call because once they started getting after Bonner and butchering him, Utah State they they weren't as successful in that second half at taking shots, and I think I think they had him playing on their heels a little bit. Only six points the entire second half. I would argue most of those coming more off penalties than off of big plays. But yeah, you're right. They started to get more aggressive because they saw he was beat up. They saw he didn't want to hang in there all that much so they said hey you're gonna try and beat us over the top we're just gonna take that time and go in and add add even more guys and that's how you end up with 13 tackles for a loss eight sacks what was the stat like they haven't had eight sacks since like oh three or something yeah Um, i mean this incredible performance like this this is the type of stuff that doesn't happen every night and it's coming off of a showing in which they held New Mexico to no offensive points and less than 100 total yards of offense. Now, obviously, New Mexico's offense a lot worse than Utah State's, but the consistency that we're getting this type of production is is really encouraging, and it's what 
as frustrating as this game is, and again, you know, this was one of the toughest ways to lose that I could remember. I'm still confident that CSU is at least going to be competitive and be a factor. I think in every game they play this season. Now, if you lose a bunch of ones, maybe that Nevada game in the last game of the season, if you have nothing to play for, we'll see. I just, with everything we've seen from this team, with the way they've been able to respond from poor performances in the past, I still feel like they're going to win a game that most people don't think they should, whether that's Air Force or Boise State or, you know, Wyoming. I think they're going to steal one of those. And you're going to have to if you want to make a bowl game. No, I mean, they were predicted to win this game or at least favored to win this game, and they should have. Like, that, they can hang with anyone, man. This is a pretty good Utah State team. That it is. Let's let's play Bruce for you and kind of so we can highlight yeah, some of that's... these individuals. Before we do, though, NFL fans hungry for a big win this weekend. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. If they win, you get $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. DraftKings Sportsbook. All customers can get some skin in the game with the same game parlay. Combine multiple bets. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the top-rated app now. Use the promo code DNVR. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. Win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with the promo code DNVR this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado-only, new customers-only, restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call one 800 522 700 we've already talked a lot about the individuals that we are going to highlight in this one but there's a lot of guys that performed really well in this and they are worth mentioning um we are going to start with the bad though before we get into the good and we can kind of go back and forth but hmm. i gotta give an oduel to steve adazio because questionable game management i didn't love the timeouts how they managed the timeouts at the end of the first half there i felt like give your offense an opportunity once they didn't i understand why they kneeled it out but i just i hate that conservative approach again like i understand the reasoning you don't want to compound things you don't want to turn it over in your own territory it was just kind of meh but ultimately the special teams errors are what cost this team and they don't have a dedicated special teams coach it falls on him he accepts that responsibility he said it tonight you know that that falls on me the pooch kick, the confusion at the end of the missed field goal, that falls on him. Those are the two biggest plays in which why you probably lost. So because of that, I got to give Adazio and Odul in this one. No no beer for you. I don't know. I think that's too harsh. I, um, I He has those timeouts because he doesn't think the pooch kick is going to have that insane which bounce 10 yards back. I mean, that's that's why that happens total fluke and like his players run out on him but even after that even after the pooch kick you still had an opportunity to call a timeout to get the ball back with about a minute left they opt to let it go down they kick a field goal you get the ball back with 30 seconds instead i just don't love again it wasn't awful and if i'm going to be critical of adazio in this moment which i am he also deserves credit for the adjustments they made for not completely abandoning the run some of that goes to the coordinator some of that falls on him it wasn't, I'm not like sitting here being like, fire him, you know? No, sure, sure. But, but I, if you don't have a special teams coach and you lose a game 
arguably because of special teams and penalties, there's going to be some criticism there. So I've hyped them up a lot for the success and for the improvement that they've had the last couple of weeks, just trying to kind of keep it real with, you know, some criticism every now and then. Um, no, I, I get it. I, I'd give them a regular beer, though. I think we're I think we are understating how hard it was to to lose by two and play as well as they did. And to me, that matters more than anything else. So you're giving him a flight then? I'm giving him a flight, yes. Not a member's beer. Definitely not a member's beer, but come on. He, you can give him a pint too in between that. There you go. There you go. Yeah, he you know, <laughs> he, he he gets a little something to wash away his sorrows as well tonight. That's all. All I'm right, saying. Dre, talk me around. We're not going completely negative. We'll give him we'll give him a little flight, a little or a pint, depending on he can get a pint, but he's got a he's like the guy at the bar that's standing there and he's trying to get the attention and they see him, yeah, but it's like yeah. I'm gonna serve like these people first because they look more fun. <laughs> yeah, for who, sure. Who do you want to highlight first? I'll let I'll let you talk about somebody and then I'll tell you kind of what my I mean we already went through them. so many of the defensive um standouts. I might just give one for you know, propose just a, a front four beer since uh you know the eight sacks 13 tackles for a loss they're really the catalyst though of course i mean carter blackburn amazing contributors from the back seven as well but um those guys get get a full-on keg just like i won't stop talking them up i was just so pleased by their performance just incredible stuff i mean and really putting Bonner like uh, on the ropes. They're, they are the reason they only scored six points in the second half because they beat up on that guy so thoroughly. They just like annihilated their game plan. Really outstanding performance. I think that's spot on. I, I had a beer tower listed for the entire defensive line when you have seven different. It really, I, I'll give it to the whole front seven because when you have two linebackers come up yeah. with 14 plus tackles, I think. You know, that's obviously worth highlighting, but seven different individuals came up with at least a half sack in this one. That's what's really awesome to see. I mean, it wasn't Manny Jones was awesome in this, and I specifically highlighted him with a beer tower as well, but seven different dudes. Like, it's not like you can just double Scott Patchen and all of a sudden the problem's over. Like, they have so right. many dudes that can get after you. Well, Patchen gets banged up for a minute, but then he's back on, um, still creating pressure at the end of the game. Toby McRide really had some key uh, pressures kind of from the off that inside shoulder um, in the second half. It was outstanding. Yeah, and I mean, Blackburn, really great game from him too. Yeah, we got a comment here from my guy, Nicholas Toffelmeyer. Blackburn, such a nice dude, stud on the field, big supporter of Daily AT, loves CSU. Love it. Love anybody that supports CSU. Go follow daily Adam Thistlewood on Instagram. Really bright future for Blackburn, Jack Howell, some of these young secondary guys. Mm -hmm. Even mm -hmm. Robert Floyd, um, he's a walk-on right now that's turned a starter for CSU. He had a big pick at Iowa. He got called for a pass interference call tonight. Very suspect one, in my opinion. Comes back the next two plays later on third down. Has a great play on the ball, pass breakup. You know, it's just encouraging to see some of these young guys stepping up again. Yeah. Secondary, clearly the weakness for this defense, and it, it's going to be all season when you have, you know, one of your most veteran players in Marshawn Cameron just getting bullied repeatedly. That's never super encouraging, but some mm -hmm. of these young guys 
something to look forward to. Um, I I really don't like throwing guys under the bus, and so I'm I'm not going to dwell too much on Marshawn Cameron. He has been a liability for CSU in coverage so far yeah. this year. I will yeah. say he's played injured mm-hmm. a lot of the year. They don't have anyone else. He's in a tough spot. You're in man. It's a lot of individual responsibility. Because of that, your bad plays are going to be really easy to see. It's you and the receiver. You know, it's a, it's a really tough spot to be in. I liked how he kind of fought back in the second half. Um, right, right. He would not get a beer in this one. I'm not going to give him an O'Doul, but a couple of untimely pass interference calls. Keeping it positive, though, I also have a pint, maybe a beer tower. I'll let you make the final call for the offensive line because they're down three starters from the beginning of the year. They ran for almost five yards a pop, only allowed one sack. They're really adjusting well. And, and some of those sweeps to David Bailey, man, he had he was going like eight, nine yards before anyone was even touching him. Mm-hmm. I also think credit to the play calling. But no, the, the O-line's done a nice job. And I mean, even, even the amount of sacks that did feel like Utah State was able to dial up the pressure and get a couple timely sacks on their end. But if you look at the numbers, really, they, they didn't do a ton. Um, and yeah. They I, were disruptive. Um, but the O-line, they gave him a O-line. chance, you know, especially given the mm-hmm. fact that you're shorthanded and you're mix, moving guys around between tackle and guard, mm-hmm. playing guys that haven't played a ton of snaps. On the road, you talk about how the crowd's on top of you. It's that That is going to impact the O-line most of all. Yeah, I think a very, very nice performance. You know, it's a, it's a group of guys. So let's tower them up. Let's tower them up. They can put it down. Shout out to everybody on that offensive line. They're going to have to keep it up. Obviously, running the football, the identity of this offense. Um, just kind of keeping it moving here. We'll wrap up the show here in a couple minutes. I have a pint for Todd Santeo as well as Dante Wright. Again, this was not a great game from Todd Santeo. He gave them an opportunity to win when it mattered most, though. He drove them down the field a couple times, hit, a, hit on a couple of throws, had that touchdown pass to Gary Williams, like, he might not necessarily be the reason that you're winning, but so far, Santeo, for the most part, isn't the reason that you're losing. I know that his biggest critics still don't love him. It's not the sexiest passing offense. That's not going to change. He puts this team in position. They drive the field. They don't turn the ball over a ton, usually because of him. I think with what he did in the fourth quarter, you know that's that's noteworthy and something you can build off of. If that field goal is uh, two inches to the right, is your grade or is your brew grade any higher? Yeah, because he let him do a comeback yeah. win. I mean, how do you yeah. not give him the right. credit at that point? I mean, again, you can nitpick and talk about all the things that went wrong, but you found a way to win. It's not his fault they lost. No, no, it isn't. But that's kind of how it works as the quarterback, right? Like the highest moments are always because of you and the lowest moments are also because of you, even when neither right. is usually the truth. You just wish he could have had one more snap to spike the ball, but 282, man. From a guy like Santeo down most of the game, 282. That's a nice show. CSU throws for 300 passing yards and they're running the ball for, you know, like close to 200 yards. That's crazy efficient. Like you're going to win a lot of right. games if you're able to do that, assuming that you're out, you're not you know, turning the ball over in the red zone or something dumb like that. You can have some fluky so, stuff happen, but it, that is a winning a recipe for winning mm-hmm. football most of the time. 100%. Yeah. The last guys I want to highlight individually, um, Caden Camper, I'll give him a pint because he made a clutch field goal in the fourth quarter, did miss one. 
but he's been awesome for this team this year. Gary Williams comes up with a big touchdown. He's been a great number two tight end option, really a great receiving guy. Makes me wonder uh, what the hell was Bobo doing all these years? Did a red shirt junior. He's been on campus a long time. You know, why did it take until 2021 to get this dude involved in the offense? He looks um, nice. Like he looks like an nice. NFL tight end. Like, yeah, dude. <laughs> they might have four NFL tight ends on this roster. It's no joke. It's no joke. It's no and joke. they're willing to play them all. They went to a four tight end formation. They do three tight ends all this all the time. They'll do thirteen, but today they went a four tight end personnel. I, I kind of like how they scheme up this offense. I, I mean, and they with know Dante, who their best players are with Dante back, they can do more things. Mm-hmm. Well, and Trey had some shots. You know, Trey, Trey was very frustrated on a few different instances. Where yeah, it was it kind of the first time this year where you sticks. could kind of see him being like, "I'm better than everyone. Get me the fucking totally, football." Man. Well, and I mean, it's a guy that's been averaging like 90 receiving yards per game, and he only had 44. You know, even though. 10 targets and led the team in receptions with six. Uh, it was definitely, and you know, when Santeo goes off for 282, you assume like, oh, then Trey must have had a, a buck 50. Um, well, and at least two of those targets were actually throwaways where it was just like McBride was in the area. It's like McBride was the target. It's like, no, he wasn't. He threw the ball 25 yards over his head. It was just a boy to sack. But um, 100%. the last guy, though, I want to talk about is just David Bailey because. I think he's probably an NFL back. We'll see. He has an injury history, and that's going to kind of determine. But two touchdowns tonight, both in the red zone, 150 yards on the ground. Showed his ability as a pass catcher. Had a couple of really big catches in that fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. This dude's a stud, man. He's everything we thought he would be. Yeah, he's great. Gets downhill. Great one cut back. Really nice vision. And, I mean, once he starts to get head of steam a little bit. He's nice. Um, boys, somewhat reminds you of almost Dearness Johnson. Like he, he would be a great, uh, you know, his own blocking type of guy. I was going <clears> to <throat> say he, he would have ran for one fifty against the Broncos on Thursday. Damn night football. Yeah. One cut, get downhill. He's something else. Um, so yeah, lots to be up. There's a lot of great elements. I feel better right now than I did after the game. I can tell you that. And I hope that the audience does as well, because again, there is a lot of positive you can build off of, but I just, I know it's hard to feel that in the moment and I'm not going to tell anybody they shouldn't be frustrated after that loss because that's, I mean, that's like stubbing your toe in the middle of the night. It it just doesn't get worse. Uh, And this, this loss is going to sting the entire year. If, if the it could be what on, prevents you from making a bowl game or, or, or right. Or Mount West championship. Like I, I really think as high as we are on the talent on this team um, and, and the elements and you, you know, like again, this could be a five and two team. If, if they are frisky and they beat a Boise or an air force, if not both, but even just one of those two teams beat, but then you do lose to the other man does this loss. This is one you'll be talking about all year, maybe all off season because it's like they the were right got away. They were right there, man. They were right there. Um, I mean, they should have won. They should have covered special teams is better. And you don't have some fluky plays. They easily cover the three and a half easily. Okay. There are things, there are things they did. Well, 
Should have won. But ultimately, it goes down as a loss. Um, they're going to have to rebound yeah. fast, though, because this is this is the type of loss in the Bobo era that would have compounded, and then they would have lost another one, and then another one, and then the season would have been over. So my final thoughts on this one, and we can just kind of wrap it up here and just... You have to find a way to build off of what you did well in this one, and you just you got to yeah. eliminate the stupid mistakes because you're too talented to lose this way. You're, yes. you are talent. The top talent on CSU is as on par with anyone on in the Mountain West. Nobody else has a Trey McBride. Nobody else has a Scott Patchen, a Manny Jones, Toby McBride, Stonehouse. Like they have the talent. Yeah, no, and that's what's going to make it even harder for the fans. But I. With the talent, I, like I think they're schemed up pretty well. I have in a while. Like I, even oh, after yeah. tonight, I feel like that Boise State game is winnable at home. And I hope it's a sellout crowd. And I hope it's rocking. And I hope the pass rush, rush gets after him. I am worried about the secondary because Boise State's got some crazy receivers. And you know they're just going to try and stretch the field on you and either hit those plays or draw penalties, which is what's you know been the big problem for CSU and their losses. But yeah. If you get after the quarterback, you're gonna have a shot. I mean, it's as good a chance as they're they've had in a while to be uh, Boise, uh, undoubtedly. And um, yeah, you really have a chance to kind of set set the tone and have an identity. And beyond the talent, as I was saying earlier, I, I think I think they're schemed up right. I think like the the team is they're playing to their strengths and they're doing what I would do if I was scheming this this team like no i agree i think it's really it easy to just be like give trey mcbride 100 targets and it's like all right well that's not winning football you want him to be a focal point of the offense and i don't feel like he was tonight but for the most part it's not like he was non-existent like they they dialed it up a couple times and it just didn't kind of work out you hit a couple of those it's a completely different story i thought tonight you actually saw him work out as more of a decoy i thought utah was, state yeah really focused on him and that's why i mean you you had guys running wide open down the scene if you don't have trey mcbride who who has been such a major factor to the passing game these first six weeks you're not getting guys wide open like that. a good point yeah. that's definitely a good point right. i mean you right know, now on the spot csu you feel like they're a bull team Gotta go to Hawaii, to Wyoming. You got Air Force, Boise State, Nevada at home. None of those are easy games. You could, there is a realistic scenario in which you go 0 5. Now, I don't think that's gonna happen, but winning on the island is hard. Winning in Laramie is hard. Mm -hmm. Nevada has the best QB prospect in the league. You've never beat Boise and Air Force, you've had basically just as little success against in the last 20 years. Yeah, I'm I'm guessing they'll be favored in three of those with um Boise just having a down year and them being at home. I think they'll that be feels a like a minus two favorite. and a half, maybe minus one yeah. and a half. Exactly exactly. It's the old yeah. uh you wouldn't be favored in a neutral field, but because you're at home you get the slightest edge. Um and obviously that means nothing. They were favored in this game coming in. Um man dude and they have to kind of stay with the odds makers to make that happen 
Yeah, yeah. I think they pull off three and two. I think they get it on the island because this team is gritty and can play their style of football anytime, anywhere, and in a tough road spot like, point. like Hawaii. That that pays off in a major way. I think they finally get Boise, and I think they stomp Wyoming. So that that would be a yes, right? They yeah, need three wins to get yeah. I'd be six yep. and six yep. if they lost Air Force, seven and five if they beat them, assuming that you lose to Nevada in the home finale. And that'll be an interesting one to monitor, too, because it will. Nevada, they still yeah. got to play Fresno State yep. and San Diego State. So if they don't have anything to play for in that last game, that completely changes the context. It's a late night game in the cold, like senior totally. night for the McBride brothers. Who knows? We're in a really weird spot. Like I could very easily see the Rams like going four and one over the last five and just be, having the talent take over. I could see them going one and four and just losing like three brutally yep. frustratingly yep. close games yep. just because of the way the schedule lines out. But Total. you're in it. You're playing relevant mm-hmm. football, mm-hmm. which anybody that listened to that Vanderbilt post game, I think that probably would have felt like a stretch after that opening. zero and two start. Yeah. So to some extent you're kind of playing with house money at this mm-hmm. point, For but sure. I think with the talent, the expectation should still be to make a bowl game. I too think they're still a bowl team at this point. And maybe it's crazy of me to say this, and this isn't with disrespect because obviously CSU's never beaten Boise State and nobody is more aware of that than me. I feel like the Rams are finally going to do it this year. And that's what I'm going to leave you with tonight because I want to leave you with just like a little glimpse of something to feel good about after such a gut-wrenching loss. Dre's broken it down. He's... Completely unbiased in this. He's not a Ram. He's telling you how good this talent is. I just love college football. Yeah. Just loves college football. That's right. I'm Justin Michael. Dre, thank you. Yeah, here behind all the scenes. Thank you as well. Shout out to our presenting sponsor, Chevalier Mortgage. I'll be back with another Rams pod tomorrow after I rewatch this game. Oh, that's going to be such a difficult rewatch, but yeah. I'm, you got to do it. I'm Justin Michael. Much love, y'all. 